Listeners beware. Do not begin unless you intend to finish. We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1995 American fantasy adventure film, Jumanji. Did you hear that? Yeah, everybody did. Yeah, I even heard it over this very loud construction. Tony, did we get the permits? Did we get the permits, Tony? This is going to be a very sound effect heavy episode, <laughs> I feel like. We're reviewing Jumanji because we had the great idea, uh, novel idea, to review this movie in wake of the 2017 standalone sequel, I'm told, because I haven't seen the movie yet, uh, Jumanji colon, Welcome oh. to the Jungle. That's why we did this movie? I thought it was because the Ready Player One trailer <laughs> came out. There are a lot of references, and Jumanji could be oh one of them. Oh my goodness. I was like, why not Zathura? Oh, that would that would actually work really well and way better. All right, bring it back. We're doing okay. Zathura. Okay, Zathura. So uh, Jumanji, as you may remember, it came out in 1995. Let me just re let me refresh your memory. Let me take you back to 1995. 1995 is a year, a year before Space Jam. So I assume it was probably terrible. Uh, it was also the year that it's a really disturbing outlook for a <laughs> podcast that does retro movies. Uh, listen, Space Jam wasn't out, so it couldn't have been that great. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> uh, so 1995, a year where Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise was the top song of the year. Wait, Coolio, the sea story from Daredevil? The one and the same. I'm familiar. Um, a year where the Macarena was a hit. It went viral. And a year where Amazon.com sold its first book. Whoa. Yeah. Also, the year I learned to write in cursive. So <laughs> You remember that? I, I'm guessing. Because you wrote 1995 so much in cursive. Right. That, that like, makes sense. I, in our, our cursive class, it was the year is 1995. The year is 1995. <laughs> the, we all went insane. Yeah. But you, you never forgot the year. Yeah. Class of 1995. So uh, Jumanji is an adaptation of the 1981 children's book of the same name by Chris Van Alsberg. He wrote the story uh, and it was born... From his frustration with Monopoly, um, so as we, many great novels are. That's what I think. That's what they wrote. The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games was also inspired by someone playing Monopoly. Yeah, each one of the uh, numbered districts in Hunger Games is actually based on the color districts in Monopoly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, like Park Place is the capital. Oh, because, look at that! Uh, yeah, uh, none of that's true. <laughs> None of it. <sighs> but it's well, why you feel lucky just to have a shoe each time you play. 
There it goes. There are the parallels. Yeah. I feel like just someone who lost Monopoly said, I'm just going just gonna to starve. Say, <laughs> we'll just roll to see if you get to eat another day. What is this? The hunger get? I got to write this down. Oh. oh, Wait a minute. What if capitalism was dead and we didn't have to play Monopoly anymore? <laughs> the Hunger Games. So in an interview, Chris Van Allsburg said, uh, when I was a little boy and I would play games like Monopoly, they seemed kind of exciting. But when I was done with the game, all I had was fake money. Uh, so I thought that it would be fun and exciting if there was such a thing as a game where whatever you landed on a square and it had something was going to happen that it would really happen. Yeah, yeah. I hate it when I get to the end of a game of Risk and I don't rule the world. <laughs> it just sucks. I gotta go back to my everyday life of like owning nope. my house. It's like, please, just give me Urkooks. Yep. And at the end of playing Monopoly, I still have no money. So uh... even Monopoly money, <laughs> I don't have anything. Uh, so that was a uh, highly successful children's book that then got turned into this movie. Uh, the movie follows two kids who find and play a magical board game, and then they release a man trapped for decades in it and a host of dangers that can only be stopped by finishing the game. Uh, it was directed by Joe Johnson, who Grayson mm -hmm. directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh. And Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh. What if he had shrunk these kids and they were the pieces in the game? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. I and then they were injected with a serum <laughs> and frozen for years. So he's really all about stories where people are just like miss out on their entire lives because they're. <laughs> In some form of stasis. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The movie was released December 15th, 1995. Um, also making it by ABC Family Standards, now Freeform Standards. Uh, it's a Christmas movie because there's a Christmas scene in it. Oh, so yeah. Jumanji is a secret Christmas movie. So we're mm. also hitting that Venn diagram of... Also reviewing Christmas movie. Uh, so it did pretty well at the box office. It earned $100.5 in the U.S. Um, and went on to do a total of $262 million worldwide. Uh, and on a budget of approximately $65 million, $50 million of it going to CGI, it became the 10th highest grossing film of 1995. Oh, that's monkey money. Yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> they said, we need monkey money. The movie was so popular that it inspired a spinoff TV show. I remember actually watching this a ton. There was a Jumanji cartoon show uh, from 1996 to 1999, ran for three seasons, um, and it incorporated various characters from the movie, um, except the premise was that uh, the kids base, it was kind of like Beetlejuice. Do you remember the Beetlejuice cartoon? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's like the kids um, would play the game and whatever the riddle was, they would go into the game and then meet Alan. He's like, hey, Alan, what's up? He's like, oh, not much, friends. Uh, let's figure out how to 
play this game and solve this lesson of the day, and then they'd go back into their let's, normal everyday lives with central air. Let's figure out how to get me out of here. So it was like a meanwhile. So uh, were the kids like from the seventies? <laughs> no, so it was the same kids except um, Judy and Peter. It was, it was kind of like a, a sequel that happened with a different ending than the movie. Like, so what uh, if Alan just went back in the game and he was just okay with it? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it for Jumanji. Now, a lot of people might be thinking, oh, what about Zathura? It's like an inspired sequel. It's actually not. Even though the directors did say it is an inspired sequel, Zathura is actually its own book series. Um, and I say book series, I mean it's a series of one book. Um, oh, yes. and it, Read in order. <laughs> it is also another Van Alsberg book. Oh, really? Yeah, and it is actually directly connected to the first Jumanji book. Oh, man, this guy hates Monopoly. <laughs> oh. so, he should really play Scrabble, because at the end of Scrabble, you actually get something, a deeper knowledge of the English language. Yeah, you get to know what words are. Uh, so in the book Jumanji, at the end of the book... The two children who find the game at the end are named Walter and Danny, and those are the main characters from Zathura. Whoa. Yeah. So that is some history about Jumanji, and before we get into our reactions, I want to give you guys some fun facts. Uh, so one of the fun facts that kind of ties into the podcast is that Chrissy Alley was considered for the role of Sarah, but... Due to scheduling conflicts, she was unavailable because she was busy shooting It Takes Two. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and the last fun fact that I'm sure everyone will probably want to know. Um, there are 110 spaces in the board game. Wow. So let's mm -hmm. do some movie math. Movie Calculator. Calculator noises. So you said 110 spaces. Mm -hmm. They're rolling two dice, so that they have, they have ties. So the max roll they could get is a 12. Mm -hmm. If you divide that by 12, that means if one person. Oh wait a minute. So is that 110 on a single track or total? I want to say total. Total. Okay. So then, since there are four. Rose, let's say this game is at least a little bit fair between the players. So you get 110, that. cool, cool, divided by four. That means one track is 27 and a half spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, let's round that up to 28. No, you got to keep it 27 and a half. Let's say the half space is your imagination. Uh, so 27 and a half divided by uh, 12 as the max roll, which means you could win the game in 2.3 moves. So really, you, you would have three moves. If you rolled 12 every single time, if one player got 12 each time they rolled, there would only be three rolls for that single player. Yeah, that's a short movie. However, with that 27 and a half, that means... If you rolled a two every single time, you got a lot more junk to deal with. That would be terrible. Like two, ah, two, ah, no, two. And then just in the center, it says, you're going to roll two every single time. No. 
in looking through the cast list, I I thought there was something familiar about Peter's voice, the <gasps> the little kid. Oh my gosh, yes. So this was actually his second major movie because four years earlier, he was the voice of Chip in Yee! Beauty and the Beast. Yeah! We've been hearing his voice for years. Not only that, Grayson, I want to add on to that because I completely misplaced my notes. Um, he was also the voice of Tails from Sonic the Hedgehog, the TV series. Whoa. Yeah, because of the, the four main characters, it's like, okay, Robin Williams, obviously, Bonnie Hunt, yes, uh, Kirsten Dunst there, but then you're like, who's the Peter kid? Like, what did he do? And But no, he's been infused into our lives all along, Yeah, and we didn't even know he was there, like some kind of emotional Doctor Who episode. Oh, yeah, or like some kind of silent actor what's that grayson he was in another movie that we reviewed he was in chaplin oh yeah he's like the kid version sydney chaplin jr age eight look at that he's there the whole time Mm -hmm. and the actor that you said that played van pelt and the dad what was his name uh jonathan hyde jonathan hyde jonathan hyde has appeared in a previous movie uh, that we reviewed, which is The Mummy. You're right. Wow. Yeah. Man, this this movie, Jumanji really is your ace in the hole if you're playing Seven Excuse Degrees. Mummy? <laughs> if you're playing Seven Degrees Separation, uh, Flashback Flex Edition, this is, uh, this is a good movie for you to have. All right, so now we're going to dive into our reaction. So, Grayson, when was the last time you watched this movie? Last time. Ooh, that's tough. Last time. I, wa- I don't know why I act like you don't ask me that every single episode. Uh, it <laughs> wow, was probably. That, such a great question. Wow. 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 <laughs> Is that off the top of your head? Um, uh, I'd, I'd probably say it's been over a decade since I saw this movie. It's It's been a while. Um, yeah, I think I saw it in, in high school, actually, so maybe a little longer. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a lot that I did not remember, uh, about this movie. Um, it is, I I know for a fact, it's the first time I have watched this since Robin Williams passing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that does change, uh, like the, the sentiment around the movie. Um, but yeah, I, it was very nostalgic for me watching this movie. So I, I remember watching this a lot as a kid, uh, we had it on VHS. I remember it was like this VHS case was the most messed up VHS case we had. Like it had been crushed and like smashed in doors and stuff, which <laughs> seemed fitting for the movie. Um, I had the picture book adaptation of the movie, like that scholastic book fair type yeah. thing where it's like, you like this movie? Let's make it a book. So kids still like books. Um, yep. So not, not the book that the movie was based on, but the book book that was based on the movie yep if that makes any sense yeah so i had like pictures of the movie. yeah but not even a novel it was more like uh <laughs> oh like just a the cover book. yeah it would be like screenshots from the book and then I know like exactly what you're talking a paragraph about. underneath explaining what had happened which watching it back and seeing how much actual sad stuff is in this movie i was like 
you know what? I'm pretty sure they left that out of the book that I had. <laughs> um, they left out all the sad stuff. So uh, the biggest <laughs> memory I have connected to Jumanji, though, is I had the actual board game that they sold. And we played the mess out of this thing. It was really well designed. Um, you had the different characters. It was obviously more like plastic and cardboard than the the, the really cool version. I'd love to to see like an actual Jumanji set. But the one we had uh, had the different tokens that you could play as. Um, I think at one point we put magnets on the bottom of them with like yes. little magnet sticks to make it look yes. like they're moving on their own. Like, but we had to do that. It didn't come like that. Uh, and then we also uh, in the middle, you had uh, one of those like red screens yes. uh, on a circle so that when you slid the cards underneath, the cards were like, that color coded uh, blue and red, like secret code, yeah, code the message yeah. thing. Let's 90s explain this thing. It's a, I, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So back in the day, if you wanted to like decode a message, uh, you'd use like the old school, uh, like 3D, like red and blue 3D technology. So basically, yes. if you wanted to look at something, Uh, So basically the way these cards were laid out is that the cards would be covered in like red scribble with very light blue text under the red scribble. And so Mm -hmm. you had to put the slide the card under a red just piece of plastic, basically. And that would everything red would just look like nothing. And then the blue image would show up very clear. Yeah. So if you ever played the game Outburst, the whole game was based on this idea that like you could mask the contents of the cards exactly yeah because of the the red film so uh that's how the text like appeared uh instead of actually having like swirling eight ball like text come up so we'd slide the cards under it and then we would read the the saying the rhyme out loud of what was coming and we would always play with our neighbor friends across the street who had this massive playroom um and it was like full of pillows and stuff. So just basically like built for crazy kids uh, <laughs> because we like destroyed that place. We would always, whenever the rhyme came up, we would act like what it said was in the room. Oh, and we nice. would like, we'd like take a break from the game to play and have to deal with the scenarios. So like if Van Pelt popped up, then one of us would act like Van Pelt. Uh, <laughs> Usually it was like one person just adapting whatever the thing was and the, everyone else trying to avoid them or contain them. So you'd have like the plants and you try to like grab onto people or the rhinos and you just like charge at them or like have a pillow and run at them. It was insanity. But one of the most fun young board game experiences uh, I can remember. So when I think of Jumanji, I think of like the amazing hours I had actually playing uh, the game that was connected to to the movie. Um, so watching the movie again, it brought back a lot of those memories. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been uh, quite a while since I've watched this start to finish. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so the last time I watched this movie uh, was on the first date with my wife. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, we had dinner and then I went to her place and she said, hey, I thought a fun thing we could do is watch Jumanji, then play Jumanji, because she also had the board game, yeah. uh, while listening to the Jumanji soundtrack to like get in like the environment of it. And it was so much uh it would I wouldn't describe it as fun as like as 
frustrating as the movie. <laughs> um, like just in terms of just like because you you're you're playing against the game basically. Like you're yeah. just trying to win, and they're just like, "Hey, all these terrible things are happening. Go back forever." And they had like all these different like I think hippopotamuses that you landed on. Um, or they like bite you or like something terrible would happen. It was like really complicated and very difficult to win. I'm just like, oh, well, I see. I see now how that game mechanic works, how everything's just destroyed before your eyes. But terrible play loop. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like you just kept on just having to go back and start over. One and done. Yeah. Um, uh, but so that's that's the last time I saw it. But yeah, again, there's so many things that I completely forgot. Um, but this is like my wife's, like one of my wife's, not one of my wife's. Uh, Which one, Ricky? <laughs> Which wife? Uh, this is my. How do I your say favorite this? wife? This is your favorite wife's favorite movie based on a board game. My wife would say that this is one of her favorite movies. But which one? <laughs> my favorite one. Uh, my only one. My favorite and only wife. There you um, go. She loves this movie. And we we rewatched it. And I'm like responding like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this thing. She says, wait, what? Cause, and she's like quoting the movie like scenes before. Awesome. Uh, these things even happen. So it was, she just loves this movie. So yeah, watching it this time, I think the biggest thing I noticed was the time jumps. Um, oh yeah. And also all of the setups and payoffs, mm -hmm. they do so good with this movie. Like the whole, that's uh, probably magnets. And then like 20 years later, uh, it's probably microchips. I'm just like, yeah. oh, that's so good. And um, like jump forward another thirty years. Oh, it's probably space gravity. <laughs> Zithera. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that uh, that was just really cool. And then also, just the whole story between Robin Williams' character and uh, Bonnie Hunt. I completely oh, yeah. forgot their character's name, but like their whole storyline. Alan is, and Sarah. Thank you, Alan and Sarah. Their whole storyline. I'm just like, oh, like this is if you think about it. I realize how close to Back to the Future this movie is. Mm. Like I, I didn't realize it as much uh, the first time I saw it, or even like when I saw it uh, on the first date with my wife. But like, it's good and solid, and it's really a coming of age story uh, for Alan. Like that's what the movie, and also you know, um, Peter and um, baby Kristen, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, a lot of people got to grow up real fast in this. Yeah. Or over the course of 26 years. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I didn't notice is how um, Sarah was like, I'm starting to forget what it's like being an adult. And I was like, oh, so like a lot of those memories fade. They're like, yeah, so long as we don't forget each other. And the kids. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. So they kind of did forget like the life that they lived, I guess. Except oh. for them. Except for that car crash. They remember oh. that very clearly. Don't go! That's a I did not remember the ending of this movie. Oh, really? At all. <laughs> that was all new to me. 
wow, no way. Yeah. No, I, I remember that so well, uh, but I never understood why. Um, and this time when we were watching it, my wife pointed out how like there are two things that uh, you have to be listening for. One, which is the uh, aunt saying, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to have a bed and breakfast. It's like, oh, that's why they moved into this massive house. Yeah. Because she was going to turn into a bed and breakfast. But the other was that story about, like, their parents died a year ago. And, like, that's that's the thing. Um, mm-hmm. And a car crash in Canada. Like, that's like that yeah. line kind of gets thrown away as, like, a joke because of uh, Kirsten Dunst's character, like, embellishing everything. Yeah, her, uh, do you want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mom and dad were international assassins. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's important later on. So, yeah, there's a lot of that exposition that is kind of buried. Um, but, you know, I- I- important details. And I just didn't catch up on that, like, when I was a kid. I, I was, I feel like I was way behind on all the plot nuance but it actually like matters for the ending, which is probably why I don't remember the ending because mm-hmm. uh, it didn't have as much of an impact. In my mind, for whatever reason, I thought they finished the game, they yelled Jumanji, then all of a sudden everything sucks back into the game and pe- like Peter and uh, Judy are just raised by Alan and Sarah like they're their own kids. <laughs> like, and they just live in the house and clean okay. it up. You know what? I think that's what I was imagining. I think, like, somehow later on they were adopted. I think as a kid that was what I understood, too. Like, oh, you see the kids. Because, like, how are you as a kid to know that, like, oh, these new characters that we're seeing, those are their parents. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or something like, turns out Alan is rich from the Shoe (laughs) Dynasty. And he's going to help him with a bed and breakfast. Oh, that's another thing. I didn't realize how um, when the shoe factory shut down that the mm-hmm. town kind of went to ruins. Like it's a, a shoe town. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, <laughs> like, um, uh, my wife pointed out how, like, oh, wow, it's not, like, a nice town anymore. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. Because, like, when um, Alan's first, like, riding through the town, I was like, hey, Alan, like, what's up? Everything's, like, nice and clean. It looks like Stranger Things before everything gets strange, you know? Um, But then afterwards, it looks like just – that's why all the looting happens so, like, quick, I think, is, like, the whole thing. Is that, like, ah. Biff puts up his casino. (laughs) That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, that's another thing I didn't notice the first time. I was like, oh, wow, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Oh. Okay, Grayson, uh, sorry. Uh, I just rolled a five, and my screen is telling me, before the podcast goes... (laughs) You trying to do this on the fly? (laughs) I really was. Uh... Okay, I got it. All right. All right, Grayson, I just rolled a five, and and my screen is telling me, the moon is high, and the leather's tannin. It's time to launch into some headcanon! Headcanon! What does that mean, it's tannin? Don't read too much into this, Grayson. Oh, okay, okay. 
I had I had another one. Oh, I, go ahead. Uh, you let me struggle and you had one? No, no, I just thought of it when you were saying yours. You inspired it. Oh, okay. Ricky, I just rolled a five. Or an eight? Sure. <laughs> and it says, look past the jokes and all the creatures for evidence supported by the feature. Ooh. That could only mean head cannon. Head cannon. Uh, head cannon is a part of the show where, just like you said, rhyme wise, we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, so here's my biggest piece of head cannon. Uh, as. Uh, so the game Jumanji wreaks its havoc uh, on the world by um, they kind of allude to these. Um, they said that a lot of things that like, come from Africa, like uh, when they said, yeah, they said that the bat looked like this. And they said, oh, that bat's from Africa. Like mm-hmm. so. But I also think it is a more um, like evolutionarily advanced kind of place because those uh, uh, mosquitoes yeah. were massive. So um, the, the the way that the game works is that like all, every implication from the game will be returned back to right. um, the game upon completion of the game. Uh-huh. I said game too many times. Uh, so my headcanon is that there... Like, through you know wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff, uh, there are sustained uh, implications and different timelines created where they never did finish the game. So, oh. based off of Jumanji, my headcanon is that they if they did not play the game that or sorry if they did not finish the game that um, the monkeys. Later on, became the rise <laughs> of the planet of the apes. As soon as like the monkeys like were out the window and they're like coordinating stuff, I said, "And there they go, the rise of the planet of the apes." Wow! So Joe Johnston did get to get it on another Stasis franchise. He snuck his way in there, and uh. also, um. Because this movie came out uh, when they were in production for the movie, uh, Jurassic Park had just come out. And I don't know. Like, n- Sure, you can like say, oh, yeah, archaeology. We found these uh, mosquitoes with amber. Sure. Yeah. And the experiment didn't go well. Well, how about DNA from a completely different world? Mm. I think that those mosquitoes later on became used to enhance the dino dna in jurassic world dino dna dino dna and last headcanon mm-hmm. is i mean the stampede like okay ricky how are you gonna figure out headcanon for the stampede yeah i don't know we bought a zoo <laughs> jumanji takes place in the same universe as we bought a zoo that's you're what welcome. you're saying all right <laughs> that's what i'm saying headcanon wow and well then that you could make a case that uh 
Goodwill Hunting connects <laughs> those two. You're right. It's not your you fault. You got Robin Williams with Matt Damon. <laughs> it's not your fault. But I rolled a five or an eight. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your, not fault. your fault at all. <laughs> so my headcanon revolves around the relationship between Alan and his father. The event where Alan's dad left to go to the the event where he had to give a speech and then came back to get his notes well nothing they did would have affected him outside of the house so in both timelines he has to come back to the house in the timeline where alan continues to be gone that means the events were that sarah was playing the game with alan alan gets sucked into the game she's there alone uh and as she's running out she runs into uh, Alan's dad who is coming back in and she tells him what happened like she, she said she said the events as they occurred and she was called crazy because of it so it's not like he has to guess what the the working story is um yeah Alan had all the stuff like that he's packed in his bag like his suitcase was packed to run away and everything but that doesn't hold up that he actually ran away because he would have taken that stuff with him. So that actually discredits the running away theory, which I think being a smart, logical businessman that he was being the center of the shoe city. <laughs> um, I really think that the dad would have been left with no choice, but to be like, my son was sucked into this game and he would stop at nothing to follow him. So my head canon is that uh basically Mr. Parrish was trying to like he, he tried to alter the physical game board and because of that it considered it cheating uh and applied the transformation effects and basically sucked him into the jungle as well and over the 26 year period turned him into Van Pelt, which is why he appears. Uh basically turning him into the embodiment of the fear that Alan had as a child. Whoa. So we're left to believe that Alan and Van Pelt had interactions in the jungle because Van Pelt knows him by name. He, he calls him Alan. He refers to him to, to other characters as Alan. Um, but I think that's because there's a little bit of the dad left in him. Um, and so, uh, the idea is that uh, it's not just a cool casting choice. It's an actual uh, transformation that's occurred. And so whenever the game is won and everything is undone, that's when Mr. Parrish is placed back to where he was at the time of, uh, of the game and comes back in, which is also why it's like five minutes delayed because he uh, has gone through the transformation process himself. So uh, all that to say that the, that the key of it is that Mr. Parrish was more involved in the game than we actually realized. And that when we see Van Pelt, we are seeing the physical person that is Mr. Parrish. Wow. That's solid. Thanks. Side headcanon to the new Jumanji movie. Uh, I would really like to believe that the events that they're going through in this version of Jumanji is actually taking place at the same time that Alan was in the jungle. Um, I'm not necessarily asking for like a CGI Robin Williams or anything like that. We like that. That's not actually what I want, but somehow making reference to the fact that Alan is in the jungle with them at the same time, because clearly this game can play with time. Um, 
it would make sense that they would come from present day and be transported back to the same kind of time bubble that that Alan existed in. Nice. Now I'd love to see that too. I mean, if they were going to animate, like have like a CGI version of him, um, if they kind of like, if they made him like big and blue and making tons of references and just were watching Aladdin in the middle of the movie, I'd be okay with that. Oh, I paid for a Jumanji movie, but I got an Aladdin movie. I'm okay with that. <laughs> no further questions. Oh, dang it. Grayson, sorry. I I rolled two fives. So, oh, so I have to yeah. go again. And this time I rolled a, a three. This is a two and a one. So I don't get to roll again after this. But it, it says, pick the person, make no mistake for who you'll cast and recast and remake. Nice. And recast and remake. We talk about who we would recast in a Jumanji remake. Now, we're they're already doing like a sequel, basically. But this would be if we were to remake this. Same script. Same script. Yeah. Same script. Uh, but in 2017 and beyond. Yeah. So, same script, modern actors. So, um first person I want to cast is uh, Alan Parrish. I would mm-hmm. actually love to cast Jordan Peele um, oh. as Alan Parrish um, because I also want uh, David Alan Greer's character, Carl Bentley, to be played by uh, Keegan-Michael Key <laughs> um, so we can get Key and Peele, but just in a more separate dynamic. Um because I just think that uh, Jordan Peele would be amazing to see just with like the disheveled, just like the di- kind of like disconnected from society, but also like being a big kid. I think that would be so much fun to watch. Um, for Bonnie Hunt's character, Sarah, uh, Sarah Whittle, my immediate casting was uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, that's who I would want. I would want Bill Hader to play Van Pelt just because I would just love to see him play that character because I just know he'd have a ton of fun with it. Um, And then for the kids, uh, I would probably get the actor who plays Eleven in Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. And and then for the... um, for the boy, I think we all know um, it's going to be season one. Luke from Modern Family. It just oh, looks like back. him. He's back. He's back for season three casting. Nice. For my cast in the Robin Williams role of Alan Parrish, I have Josh Gad. Oh, uh, yeah. For that's the one. That's the one. Uh, Bonnie Hunt's character, Sarah Whittle, Kate McKinnon. Uh, I think she I think she could play the like slowly going crazy over time even more because um, that plot point kind of fell off halfway through the movie where I think Kate McKinnon would like buy into it uh, all the way through uh, for Peter young Peter uh, I have David Mazouz Mazows young Bruce Wayne from Gotham oh uh, nice yeah and uh, then Kirsten Dunst's character of Judy. I have Anna Sophia Robb, which she's she's older, uh, but she can play younger. She was young Carrie in uh, the Carrie Diaries, and she's been a lot of stuff. But she uh, uh, she was in Bridge to Terabithia. Yeah, Bridge to Terabithia. So I think she would be great. 
then for David Allen Greer's character, uh, Lamorne Morris from New Girl, uh, we already know he can play a cop, so yes. we'll just get that crossover going now. And then finally, Van Pelt, the most terrifying casting I could think of, Tom Hardy. Oh, oh that's good. I thought you were going to say Brian Cranston. Oh, he's always terrifying, yeah. But no, but Tom, Tom Hardy has, yeah. has the darkness in his eyes where when he takes aim, he doesn't miss. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You were merely adopted the jungle. <laughs> I was born in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. This is your jungle. <laughs> All right, Grayson, it's your turn to roll. All right. Rolling noises. Oh, no. I rolled a two. Snake eyes. Oh, no. That means I'm going to have to take another turn. Or another title. Second take titles. Second take titles! Second take titles! Second take titles! Take it again. It's a second take title. Uh, Ricky, I, I am equipped for second take taglines, but I oh. believe you have a few second take titles before we jump into it. So, I do. H- how, how many titles do you have? I have too many, Grayson. Because <laughs> um. I, I have four second take taglines. If you have four second take titles... I think we should do it where you say your title and then I'll say a tagline. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. All right. It was like we're pitching Jumanji for the first time. Okay. All right. All right. So, all right. Hear me out. Hear me out. So, it's a, it's a movie about a game. Um, uh-huh. And then um, this kid, he like he rolls a die and then his other friend plays, rolls a die, and then the kid rolls again. Uh, and so, it's the se- but then he gets stuck into the game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the second it's up to the second person to roll, and then um, we have to wait for this other kid, but he's he's stuck in the game for like twenty years. So it. what if we called the game Ready Player One? Because that's who has to be ready next. I love it. Ready player one, mm-hmm. second take tagline, the game is on. Oh All nice. Right. What's the original tagline for the movie? It's a jungle in here. <laughs> I like yours better. Like yours a lot better. So, Ready, Ready Player One, it's taken. That's interesting. Okay, mm-hmm, how about, mm-hmm. um, okay, so this kid, he disappears, right? Right. And um, and it's right before he he's playing this game, okay? So, what right. if we call it, Now You See Me? I love it. Now You See Me, second take tagline, bored to death, because it's a <laughs> board game and they might die. <laughs> love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I see. Now you see me. It makes you think of magic and not board games. Okay, cool. Hey, listen, I'm up yep. for feedback. Um, These are good he, notes. He, here's my other one. Live, die, repeat. How, how about that? The, I love the movie. It. Live, die, repeat. Second take tagline. Roll with the punches. Because oh, the rolling that. dice. And I think a couple <laughs> of them got punched. That's really good. I just had one more second take tagline. And that's. Run and hide because Van Pelt is played by Jonathan Hyde. That's the full tagline. You got to say the whole thing, Uh, which inspires a bonus second take tagline. The who Van Pelt it dealt it. Should have been on that marketing team, but I was 
Too busy learning. Cursive like a chump. <laughs> this is kind of like a, a remake as well. So I feel like it's in the same vein. But uh, I'd like to adapt that. And I think that uh, this whole story would actually play super well as a VR game uh, with oh. augmented reality. Where basically you have your, uh, your screen or your lens with a front-facing camera. So you're picking up on your actual surroundings, but you would play the game in your home. And when you look at the board as well, you see all of the text kind of swirl up. You can read that, but then like you look at your fireplace or whatever and bats fly through it. Like Mm. actually placing the um, VR components in the space that you're already familiar with, I think could add a really interesting uh, dynamic to them. I know the, the remake, uh, is already like video game oriented, but like taking the aesthetics of the board from the first game and just applying that to a VR experience, I think would be a really interesting way to relive it and have a lot of replay value because there are a ton of different things that can come out of it. But even like looking around your house and it looks like uh, the monsoon is hitting or that plants are growing on the walls. Oh. I think could be a really interesting experience. That would be so uh, cool. I, yeah. I, I think it would be like one of the ways that you could do VR right in a way that makes sense with the game. Um, but that was just uh, one way to adapt it. The other way would be uh, as a Netflix series, like we mentioned, they already had an animated series, uh, but you have this Netflix series or basically each episode or each season are different people through time playing the game. Mm. Um, and you could uh, kind of connect their stories back together uh, just depending on like people that are in the jungle at the same time, kind of helping each other out. You could do a lot of cool time crossovers because of the mechanics, but uh, yeah, I'd really like to see this uh, serialized as well. Oh yeah. I think that would be awesome. I, Gosh, yeah. I think it would also be a really good kind of like Pokemon Go game where mm-hmm. it's like um, instead of uh, VR, it's AR. It's like augmented reality. Yeah, exactly. And, and so like you like, oh, no, um, like a riddle like pops up, like no matter like where you are, or, like you have to like walk a certain distance in order to play the game. So like, hey, you have to like walk five meters or whatever. Um, or like eight meters, like walk 12 meters and then you'll get here. And so it's like a distance that you're walking to get to Jumanji. Mm. Um, and the only way for you to like, you have to like power up on health on this, that, the other, I think that that could be really cool. Steal a cop car. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Oh, that, that's just a real cop car. I'm stealing. I got, I I got to finish playing this game after my bail gets posted. (laughs) All right, Grayson, Mm -hmm. this is the final role. If I roll a 12, then we win the game of this podcast. Great. Do it. All right. Ah, 11. (laughs) Oh, this... (laughs) Dang it! I was so close, Grayson. I sorry. I also just realized that because of the rules, when you roll doubles, you'd have. We said like if you they rolled uh, twelve three times, they basically can win the game. You, you go again if you roll doubles. So one person 
If the very first person of the game rolls a 12, okay, bats. Roll another 12. Uh, uh, okay, hippos. Roll a third 12. Plants. Oh, wait a minute. Jumanji, I won the game. <laughs> well, that, w- that was a fun two and a half minutes. <laughs> but no, we rolled an 11. So, so close. So what happens now? Uh, the board is telling me, say your farewells and make your amends. It's time to give them your reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, yeah. why would you recommend the 1995 movie Jumanji? So, I would recommend Jumanji because if you haven't seen it for a while, there there is a lot of emotional nuance to this story. And like you said, the setups and payoffs are really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a kid, you don't really know to look for it or why it works. It just feels complete. Um, so it is a really tight script in, in that, uh, sense. And I also, we've talked about this in a few other episodes, I believe, but, um, whenever you have an instance of, uh, an actor who it it feels like they are gone too soon in this case, Robin Williams, uh, who really is the heart of this movie in so many ways, um, whenever you have an actor that passes, it's these movies that they leave behind that are a celebration of their life and a testament as to why we love them in the first place. And so rewatching this, I, I was a little hesitant, to be honest, because uh, I I thought I would feel sad the whole time. Like, Because uh, the loss of Robert Williams, I, I took that very hard. Like He is such a bright uh, a personality, a bright actor who gave so much life and so much joy. And so I, I was worried I was going to feel the absence of that. But in actuality, I, I felt the exact opposite. I was able to appreciate the joy that he brings to this movie even more um, because that is the legacy he leaves. And uh, if you if it's been a while since you've seen a Robin Williams movie, whether it's Jumanji or a different film, I highly recommend just please go back and enjoy his films because he had a spark in him that is so rare, uh, not just as a performer, but as a person. And uh, regardless of events later in his life, the time that we had with him uh, when, when he was sharing that joy and sharing that passion and sharing everything he had, it's captured forever in these films and in in that way his his spirit and his memory lives on so every other uh film critic like thing we kind of say in this movie just put that aside and from a very human place i say please watch this for robin because he uh he he lives on through this film very well said yeah i mean there's this is a movie that i would say is like one of the reasons why i really wanted to start doing this podcast uh because you have these movies that you love for all these reasons that you think um are are like the only reason to love a movie and then you watch it like years later or even just like uh from a different life stage and you're like oh i totally get this in a completely different light like I get the adults like I relate more to the adults. I'm just like, oh, wow, this is like a lot. Um, Or uh, I kind of see the different themes in a different way. Um, And so I just love being able to rewatch a movie, especially one of my favorite movies. Um, And 
just fall in love with it all over again. Uh, and so seeing Jumanji was just like, it was really great, really emotional. Um, like you said, with having Robin Williams passing be especially like as recent as it was. Um, but yeah, I just felt so much joy um, and laughed hard and heartily and um, just, just had like a really great um, experience with this movie and it's because it's a really great story and I think it's definitely worth watching especially um, if you are missing Robin Williams or um, if you're just looking to for a pick-me-up like I mean granted it is very emotional so be prepared for that but like it's it's fun to watch like and this the stakes are high and fun and scary and uh it's just a well-rounded film and it has a lot in it. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. All right, Grayson, it's your role. Three. Grayson, you won. What? I didn't realize I was so close. You were really close. Wow. That snuck up on me. <sighs> wow. Well, that means there's only one thing left to do say our outro so thank you so much (laughs) oh well let's read the little thing in the middle it says a film with hijinks fun and tricks that's our review of jumanji on flashback flicks oh oh that that's a very specific game card wow how did it know it knows everything. Well, I, let, let's do all the social media stuff now. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our review of the 1995 movie Jumanji. Uh, let us know your favorite memories of Jumanji or any potential headcanon on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of this specific review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show out and really helps people to know that this is the podcast that gives them all of the fun of Jumanji without any of the terrible consequences of Jumanji. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's fun for the whole family. And uh, on a scale of one to five rolls of a die. It's a five-sided die. It's a five-sided <laughs> Oh, a scale of one to five sided die. What what do you think? Or on a scale of one to five decades lost in a jungle. Gosh. (laughs) So five decades lost is is that the good thing? No, I'm so sorry. Because one deck, I was thinking the same thing though with monkeys. I was like a scale of one to five crazy monkeys, but it's like five crazy monkeys is much worse than one crazy monkey. Yeah. Okay. How about this? Uh, on a scale of one to five haunted board games, not better. I'm not. I'm doing worse here. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. We'll stick to the original one. On a scale of one to five rolls of a die of a five sided die, five sided die. Uh, five being the best because, of course, um, let's know. Because then, you know, you get to return from the land from whence you were trapped. In. 
And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Flashback Flicks is a show for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. That actually does perfectly describe our podcast. Yeah, that uh, I've heard that from other people. They're like, man, I listen to Flashback Flicks because I hate my life. <laughs>